Hello. Hello. I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. Ghouls. <laughs> Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Creepy. And we have our ghoul friend Daniela here today with us as well. Thanks for having me back, guys. Yeah, thanks Yay. for coming. Um, so this week's going to be a little different. We are only releasing one episode this week. And we wanted to focus on a couple of different things. Um, One, we wanted to focus on what's going on in the world today with, you know, the, and I don't want to say this is new because it's not new. This has been happening for 400 years and we haven't dealt with it. Um, We are really taking a stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and we're trying to elevate Black creators in horror, and specifically this episode this week will focus on our favorite horror movies that star a Black actor in a leading role, and we'll talk about why these are so important and why they were so groundbreaking, um, but we also want to talk a lot about some of the different ways that that we can help. Yes, um, I'm, I've definitely been uh, posting a lot, and but also signing petitions and helping donate what I can. I mean, I know I don't you know, make a whole lot of money, but I just feel that like any, like one of my little extra dollars can go to a good place. So we all, we all know that you all like the like ridiculously bougie drinks from Starbucks. So save your $7. Don't buy that triple half calf, non-fat almond milk, 4 million shot soy <laughs> latte business. Save your I don't want to be behind that person ordering that. <laughs> no, but we we all know that those drinks are real expensive, so if you're instead of going to Starbucks, donate your 7 bucks yes. to a, a worthy cause instead. And um a couple of places um I I believe that we mentioned on our Instagram and our Facebook, um, but and we'll post them again just so that people will know where to go. Um, but a couple of places. So the the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, uh, Black Lives Matter a local chapter. I believe there's a Black Lives Matter LA. There is. Yes. And if you go on their website is so well done. Yes. Um, so it's it's really easy to locate your local chapter. And even if you, for whatever the reason, even if you don't go to Starbucks and you don't have some dollars to kick in, um, donate your time because mm-hmm. they, they have a great list of resources for, you know, petitions that you can sign uh, as well as various activities that are going on in the area and also different numbers of of local government leaders that you can call to demand justice and demand social change. Yes. Yeah, we need and to make sure we're acting. Exactly. For sure. Like, and and I know they have an Instagram too, and I've been mm-hmm. on there heavily, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and making sure that I uh, follow and get, you know, updates whenever they post something. Because, I mean, I know there there's a lot of, been a lot of focus on uh, George Floyd just with recent events, but they've also been posting about all the other um you know, things that have happened before George Floyd that hasn't actually been resolved yet. Um, and w- one of those things, um, and I've been mentioning it recently, uh, is Breonna Taylor. Um, this past Friday on June 5th, it would have been her 27th birthday. Um, so a lot of people have been active on social media and just in the news and, you know, bringing, you know, justice to her death. Um, so a couple of places you can help, uh, uh, change.org has, uh, something set up. There's also a GoFundMe, um, action, actionnetwork.org. Um, they're doing something with the Louisville community bail fund 
And it's uh, bail funds for those arrested protesting for the justice in her death, which I think is really great. <laughs> um, and there's also uh, the Loveland Foundation, and that's at the lovelandfoundation.org. And they're committed to showing up uh, for communities of color in unique and powerful ways, uh, with in particular focus on black women and girls. Um, and there's also tons of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry. <laughs> Petitions uh, mm -hmm. that you can sign that are still available for people, you know, that still need help. So if you can't, you know, help, you know, donate any funds at this moment in time, you know, please, please sign petitions. Please be active. And if, if nothing else, education is so critical during yes. this time. And we just had this discussion with one of our neighbors last night when we were over there for dinner because she is in her mid sixties. And, I have not met many people in their mid sixties that are open-minded to learning about what is still needing to be done. Cause especially in California, we are, we kind of live in a bubble, especially being part of the, the greater Los Angeles area. Things here often don't, aren't reality in the rest of the country. Right. And it was so odd to me to have her ask us like, help me understand, help me understand what's going on because I'm downloading audiobooks. I'm trying to learn and it's just going. It's really refreshing when they, you know, have been so closed off. Yeah. Mm. Um, so education is critical. There are so many resources out there worth in terms of audiobooks, documentaries, um, documentaries. Yes. If you haven't watched 13th. Oh, please like, do. I, I need to get that one 13th. done. Uh, also, plug for the movie Just Mercy. That mm -hmm. is actually streaming for free all month Ooh. on every really streaming good. platform. Okay. If you haven't watched it, mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, it was very good. Exactly. And so edu educating yourself is critical right now. And learning about what still needs to change and, and the foundations of not just overt racism and white supremacists, but the, the structural and systemic racism that has held down people of color in this country for the last 400 years. And just making sure like the youth of today is raised mm -hmm. to know what's right and what's wrong. And exactly. And oh my God, the, um, ah, how did I forget about this? The podcast 1619, oh, um, yes. which just won the Pulitzer for, um, Oh, is it best audio piece? I don't remember exactly what which Pulitzer it won, but like it's so good. I listened to it on my on my commute to work when it came out last year. Powerful. Mm -hmm. So powerful. So listen to 1619 if if for some reason, you know, you're on the go all the time and driving around. I mean, there's there are so many resources and we'll post a full list on yes. our Instagram. Um, but educate yourself. Learn. Really important. Advocate for change. Just love one another. Oh, Sorry, please. again, rainbows, unicorns, and glitter <laughs> for me. <laughs> I feel like Miss America. I'm just like, can we just hug each other? <laughs> I'm just, it's just so, it's been just really. It's been a heavy week. It's been really heavy. It's just a lot has been on my mind. With we this, really need so. like, we are the world to play right now. <laughs> if it'll help. <laughs> but, but, and also I just want to you know put out to our listeners there please register to vote oh my if god so important yet, please vote. it's so important if you want things to change and you want your opinion heard please register to vote no we don't we don't need another four years of this like everyone's like, opinion 
is important and matters and we especially need to make sure right we now. get out there and-, and and as long as we have the uh electoral college we need everybody to yes. get out and vote and like quick shout out and subtle plug over to the guys who will probably never listen to this podcast uh over at pod save america so it's run by four former aides that uh served in the white house administration under president obama Ooh, uh okay. they are hilarious uh, but they and they talk about you know everything going on with politics today, and they have different guests and so forth. But they've actually done a lot of work and done a lot to raise funds to overturn voter suppression, particularly in areas of the South. Um, so for those that have had their voting rights restored, please use them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So now, moving so we can on to- moving on to something a little bit lighter. <laughs> Booze news. <laughs> Wait, but I have a joke for you. No, what's your joke? What? I have a joke. Okay. Because, you know, we're kind of a comedy podcast, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, so, Sarah and Dee, why are ghosts so bad at lying? Why? I don't know. Because you can see right through them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Had to, had to change um, the mood a little bit. <laughs> I actually have one for you guys, too. Ooh. Um, Sarah and Brie, what do witches put in their hair? What? I don't know. What do they? Scare spray. <laughs> <laughs> Super corny, but I love it. <laughs> Sold on Amazon. <laughs> well, I, hell, I got one too. Ooh, jokes. <laughs> Why did the vampire need mouthwash? Why? He had bat breath. <laughs> OMG. <laughs> so great. <laughs> okay, definitely now. Now time for booze news. All right. Booze news. <laughs> That's my song. Sorry. <laughs> booze news. <laughs> um, so just a couple of things coming uh, for the summer for you guys to watch. I mean, everybody's been streaming all kinds of new stuff right now. Um, so a couple of movies that I'm... I kind of picked out, there's tons more, but some that stood out to me, um, Scream My Queen, uh, My Nightmare on Elm Street, it's on Shudder, it was released on June 4th, and uh, the film explores the unusual legacy of A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, um, a sequel which originally derided but later earned a cult following as a queer horror classic. And, and it also talks about the impact it had on the film star, Mac, Mark Patton. Nice. So, it's an interesting one. I actually watched it. It was pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> um, also uh, released on June 5th, this past Friday, is Becky. And I don't know if you guys seen the trailer, but Kevin James looks really creepy. Oh my God. <laughs> and I just never thought I would see him in this way, but <laughs> I'm glad that he's, you know, kind of venturing onto new yeah, things he's usually a comedy king yes exactly and this is his first well is it his first? yeah i would say it's just kind of his first uh role and uh something kind of creepy so check it out and next on my movie list is coming uh to video on demand oh actually it's already on video on demand sorry um this past friday june 5th is shirley and it's starring Elizabeth Moss, who plays Shirley Jackson, who uh, is the author of Haunting of Hill House and The Lottery. So that's got to be really good. <laughs> and then another one, um, part of Pet Appreciation Week, which is next week, um, 
<clears throat> June 12th on Hulu, um, there will be a movie uh, coming out from the Into the Dark series by uh, Bloomhouse. Uh, it's called Good Boy. And that's starring Judy Greer. She's in everything. Whoever I her know. agent is, like, good job. I, I right. hope she sends them a real nice fruit basket at Christmas time. Good job. She is everywhere. <laughs> but um, uh, she is starring in this film, and it's about her emotional support animal who starts killing people that bring anxiety to her life. Where the hell do I get one right. of those? I know. I was like, how do I train Pearl? Where do I get that <laughs> peanut? Get on it. I like how she just looked at you. She's looking at me like, get your own mom. She's like, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. tired. I'm sleeping. <laughs> um, and also on June 25th, the second season of The Twilight Zone is coming on to CBS All Access. Nice. Awesome. So some good stuff for June. Very cool. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, there's a lot of uh, streaming services out there, but um, HBO Max is, I think, trying to get up there with some of the rest of them. Oh, yeah, they're, they're doing good. Yeah. Like, they're they're really pushing it. a lot on there, which is nice. <laughs> right. So they're they're releasing a bunch of new horror movies. I think at least 12 of them um, this month. I'm not sure the exact release date, but um, a couple of the ones that like really stood out for me was American Werewolf in London. Ooh. Absolutely love mm-hmm. that movie. Um, they're coming out with pretty much all the final destinations from dusk till dawn. Ooh, yay. super fun. Ooh. Um, the hunger, life force, lights out, misery, another yes. favorite, and uh, the stepfather. And I don't know if this is really horror, but Tim Burton's corpse bride always a fun. I mean, I mean fun, yeah. spooky, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, you can do a seven day free trial, but if you uh, want to actually sign up for the service, it's fourteen ninety nine a month. Oh man, really? No, there's Sucky. just so many. I know. <laughs> I wonder is it I wonder if I'm gonna look it up later to see if it's free if you have HBO I think it is if you have a uh, if you have um, like a um, cable provider and you already get HBO you can sign into to to HBO through your cable provider so there's that option too I might do that (laughs) and another uh, another bit of news that we wanted to highlight as well Uh, For those that are familiar with her, Caitlin Dowdy, who runs a YouTube channel that's called Ask a Mortician. She's had it for years, and that's actually how I found her. She's hilarious. So uh, she actually attended the mortuary school here at Cypress College in Orange County. And she is going to be sponsoring a scholarship for black mortuary students. That's awesome. Yeah, in memory of Henrietta I'm going to butcher her last name. I'm so sorry. No reflection on her memory. Uh, Duterte? Sounds right. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, But she was the first black female funeral homeowner. Um, And she actually did a ton of work as an abolitionist and with the Underground Railroad as well. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. Super great thing she's doing. Uh, if you don't subscribe to Ask a Mortician on YouTube, you totally should. You're missing out. Uh, she's also written a couple of books. I think the first one was called The Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, Stories from the Crematorium. It's Ooh. it's great. Um, and then she's on Instagram as The Good Death. Nice. So if you don't Ooh. follow her, check her out. Um, and then Seven Hells, who is a friend of the podcast, uh, run by local LA artist Bill Rude, is running a series of masks for, you know, in support of the pandemic, because um, everybody needs a mask now for mm-hmm. everything all the time. And the proceeds are going to be benefiting MedShare. Oh, amazing. So a good way to support local spooky artists 
uh, and a good way to not spread your germs to everybody. So yes. very important. Yeah. I almost have a mask to match with everything I have. Nice. Nice. I ordered the um, the vampire one. that he, So he released three. There's a vampire, a witch, and a jack-o'-lantern. That's the one I want. Yeah, Ooh. I ordered the witch one, but I think I'm going to need to order the jack-o'-lantern one because I, mean, I too need to I feel match. like I'll just get all three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Yeah. That's just, well, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying not to shop too much, but at least I know the money is going to a very good place. Well, and you need a mask. <laughs> and, yes. and that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know. Yes. Uh, geez, I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Fright Rags, they are releasing a, a Shutter Black Lives Matter t-shirt, and 100% of the proceeds will be donated to Black Lives Matter, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and the National uh, Bail Fund Network. Awesome. So other ways that you can help support. Yes. Yay. And then um, there's also a new book coming out um, by Mick Garris called uh, These Evil Things We Do. I love Who wrote a book about my life? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this one's going to come on all of our lists. Yes. Yes. And hopefully everybody knows Mick Garris, but he directed Sleepwalkers. He co-wrote Hocus Pocus. Uh, he was also in The Howling as an actor. He had a little Ooh. cameo there. And then he's done a ton of stuff for, for TV, including he did the original um, TV version of The Stand that came out as a miniseries in the 90s. Um, he, d- I mean, he's done Tales from the Crypt. I love Sleepwalkers. Oh, Sleepwalkers, underrated. <laughs> yeah. great movie. Super underrated. But yeah, I, I love Mason McGarris, so I'm going to have to read this. That's so awesome. And uh, a little quick shout-out, a birthday shout-out from a couple days ago happy birthday to keith david uh most notably from the thing he was also in Coraline. he played the cat in oh Coraline. My God. yeah and also he was in tales from the hood too which uh the tales from the hood movies are also ridiculously underrated yes they're so and good. scary really scary and uh david allen greer as the abusive dad like i know man oh my goodness man and he was uh, something I learned from a documentary that uh, we are actually going to talk about on this podcast is he was a Shakespearean trained actor. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I mostly know him because he's funny. <laughs> I had no idea. And then I didn't know. Yeah. That. But he's Shakespearean trained. Very cool. Ooh. Yeah. And just kind of continuing on with our topic this week. So we all picked a movie featuring a strong black lead character uh, because something that Bree and I've talked about quite a bit is that. Horror has historically had a really terrible job of representing different backgrounds within the genre. It's gotten leaps and bounds better than where it has been, especially in, you know, within the last 60, 70 years, because um, it was really terrible for quite some time. But now moving into the 2000s, it's starting to get a lot better. There is actually a really great documentary on Shudder that's called horror noir and it talks about the history of uh of black people specifically in the horror genre so Mm -hmm. whether it's in roles of screenwriting directing acting and it starts at the very beginning with the most horrific film ever which is the birth of a nation um yeah talk talk about I, I don't have words. Um, and the fact that this was shown in the White House and Woodrow Wilson, you know, supported it. Like, uh, But anyway, so it starts it starts using that as the example of where black people started to enter the conversation of film. And then moving into the 40s, you really saw 
black people only portrayed in very stereotypical roles as servants, as Mm -hmm. tribesmen and women and voodoo priestesses, these very, you know, tokenized and stereotypical roles. Um, It was terrible. And then as you moved into the atomic age, black actors and actresses really disappeared from horror because they were not allowed in the conversation of STEM research and such. Um, And then, you know, during the seventies, we started to see more the rise of these quote unquote black exploitation films. Eighties started with some of the tropes that we're all familiar with, with black people being killed first in films um, or they were only, uh, or they were killed at some point during the film. So like good example is Dick Holleran's character or played by Scatman Crothers in the movie, but Dick Holleran from The Shining walking into the hotel. And the very first thing that happens when he walks in is he gets an ax to the chest right. from uh, Jack Torrance, yep. which didn't happen in the book. He didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've got such a wonderful actor in Scatman Crothers, like, it did him such a disservice to to do that in the film. So Stanley Kubrick, you got that wrong. Sorry. Um, and then you really saw people, like, particularly people of color, moved into this role of the sidekick, and they mm-hmm. were only there to help the white protagonist right. reach whatever goal they were supposed to reach. Right. Um, but then in the 90s, we really started to see more of a renaissance of black people having a more active role in films and we started seeing more screenwriters and directors and so forth so and then moving into the 2000s and now it's become so much better than it has been we still have a long way to go very very long way to go um but this documentary was so well done um and it's on shutter so again there's a seven day free trial um, and I'm sure you could probably scour the Didn't internet. Didn't you say there was a 30-day free trial? There was. I gave the code to Brie. No, I took it, too. It no longer works. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I tried it. Yeah. I got yeah. it just as it... Uh, yeah, it just expired, unfortunately. But they still have the seven-day code. So if nothing else, please watch this documentary. It's called Horror Noir. Um, it's on Shutter. It's amazing. It teaches you so much about the history of people of color in, in horror cinema. Um, it was really, really, really well done. So I think that's that's critical for everybody to watch. And then we each picked our own film. So, Daniela, what film did you pick? Um, I picked Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Oh, um, yay. It, it came out in 1968. Everybody knows it was a black and white mm-hmm. uh, film. So, um I love this movie for a lot of reasons besides the 1960s just total camp uh, horror aspect. But everybody knows it's about a group of people who end up at this farmhouse um, Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, evade this zombie uh, takeover. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just it came out in 1968. So it's a really um, important time. That was, you know, obviously when Martin Luther King was assassinated Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, everything with the civil rights movement. So there was so much going on in 1968. So that's why I feel like this was one of the most, um, iconic films. Absolutely. In this, uh, subject. And it was, it was wonderful to see a person of color punching the shit out of white people. Yes. Like, yes. I loved I I loved how this character <laughs> was written and I loved that he he was in charge. 100%. He was the leader in this movie. I think a Definitely lot of people will be like, "Oh, mm-hmm. maybe Barbara's the lead, but she's really not." No, she's yeah. just a piece. Secondary. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. For me, Ben is the is the key and um it's played by an actor uh named um Dwayne Jones. Mm-hmm. Um he was a really great 
um, actor, in my personal opinion. Like, just watching the movie over, of all of the characters, I felt like he was the best. He was the only one that was truly acting. Right. Everybody else was just over-the-top, screaming, camp horror right and he was he was truthfully acting and he dealt with a lot of bullshit through the entire movie mm-hmm. like yeah. i mean he's pretty much almost killed at least three or four times um you know mr cooper tries to tries to kill him like this poor guy is like going through all mm-hmm. this stuff and he really maintains himself throughout the whole thing and he really just stays you know calm and collected and despite everything that's going on um, while all the other white people are going crazy. Mm-hmm. Just just saying. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, and then for all of us, you know, who have watched the 1968 version, we know it's primarily a Caucasian cast, except for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the movie, um, this was the first time, actually, that an African-American, uh, excuse me, African-American actor was cast as the star Mm -hmm. um, of a horror film, like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the time they played servants or Mm -hmm. tribesmen. And the funny thing was, is there wasn't even a call for this part. They weren't looking for someone who was, you know, a person of color. George Romero picked him just because simply killed the audition. He was an amazing actor. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, some of the things that I learned um, about him, but also I feel like this was not only iconic to the like whole you know people of color coming out in horror movies and then it was also just you know a really big time for the zombie nation Mm -hmm. um you know that time i mean i know it's not really related to horror but you know that show hollywood on netflix it Mm -hmm. also kind of relates a lot to Mm -hmm. people of color Mm -hmm. you know in those kind of positions and that's one of the reasons i really love that show but um there was still a lot of people who felt like casting a person of color as the hero of the film um, was controversial. Oh, yeah. In 1968, that mm. did not happen. And, and to your point, looking at everything that was going on between Malcolm X being assassinated, right. Dr. King being assassinated, right. the Civil Rights Act being finally being rough, all happening man. in 1968, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, it was it was a rough time. So, for for this to happen, like... George Romero, huge, good on you, huge. Yep. Um, obviously, I think we can all agree. Not so excited about how the way the film ends. Correct. Um, yeah. After everything that Ben endured, he ends up just getting mistaken for a ghoul and mm-hmm. killed in the end. I think they could have definitely oh, so taken mad that about a different. That. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they could have taken that in a different direction. And also, looking back on it now, it was a black man killed by a bunch of white men. Again. Going back to it. <laughs> so, um, but one of the things I learned about Dwayne was not only was he, um, you know, an actor in film, but he was also a big um, actor in the stage presence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the executive director of the Black Theater Alliance, mm-hmm. um, which is really awesome. Um, he mostly stayed in the horror scene. Um, I haven't seen some of the other movies he did, but um, I kind of want to watch them now, especially after learning that he was mostly fearful of people only remembering him as Ben Aww. from Night of the Living Dead. Um, but he did some other movies. Um, one of them was called Ganja and Hess. Oh, okay. Oh. So I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's very difficult to find the actual copy Ganja and Hess because it was actually 
edited down and I think redone at oh my god was the I think it was called blood couple okay was oh. what it w- was what it was more widely known as okay. but it's really hard to find the original ganja and hess oh wow really? oh, I, I'm really interested in seeing that it's, it's about a couple of lovers who get stabbed with a dagger and become vampires uh-huh. and then he did another movie called vampires which surprisingly is not what you think it's about mm-hmm. um it's about um a bunch of students in a private girls school home in connecticut and they have no clue that they're under attack from their headmistress mm-hmm. and she's using this machine to suck the life force out Oof. of them i mean, need to watch that too. um but yeah you know he <laughs> i mean i think just this particular movie was just kind of the start mm-hmm. of it all and that's why for me it's so important mm-hmm. um and Dwayne jones was just such an incredible actor mm-hmm. he really was he did a great job so it was a really good fun movie just hate the ending yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh well i picked jordan peele's get out and i feel like this movie especially what's going on in the world right now it it just it, it just really puts into plain sight like like how uh, you know it, black people or just people of color feel you know when you know white people are talking about them and it just you know i don't know like i really felt like really close to this movie <laughs> yeah. um so that's why i picked it mm-hmm. um but uh just a little uh background on that in case people haven't seen it um uh get out uh came out in 2017 it was written and directed by jordan peele uh this was his directorial debut and awesome job i can't even express how much i just love jordan peele taking you know getting out of the comedic scene and you know going to be uh going into being a horror film writer uh just amazing (laughs) um but it the main uh, person of this movie is uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, and he plays Chris Washington, and uh, he's a young African-American man who uncovers a disturbing secret when he meets the uh, family of his Caucasian girlfriend, Rose, who is played by Allison Williams. Um, it, uh, it premiered at the uh, Sundance Film Festival in January 2017, and then went uh to the theaters in february of 2017 by universal pictures um it grossed over 220 uh, 255 million worldwide um on a uh, 4.5 million budget and um get out uh, received praise for its direction acting writing and themes um it was chosen by the national border review the american film institute and time as one of the top the, the top 10 films of the year. Totally agree with that. Um, <laughs> also, at the 90th Academy Awards, the film was nominated for four awards, uh, including Best Picture. Uh, Jordan Peele won for Best uh, Original Screenplay. Uh, also, totally deserved. <laughs> and he was, it's important to note, too, that he was the first uh, screenwriter of color to yes. win that award. Awesome. Yes, I was, I mean... I was really excited, not only because the film, the film was so good, but just for that too. <laughs> and it's, yeah. And it, it's why it's so much fun to root for the underdog films like, uh, like get out and like parasite who most recently um, so wept. I mean, everything at the end wiped, wiped it clean, wiped <laughs> right. it clean in, right. in, in all of the big categories. And 
like so, so deserved. And I know that people have a hard time with, with subtitles on films, but it was just so nice to see a foreign film. You know, the subtitles didn't bother me as much. Subtitles don't bother me either. And I think like sometimes when you're reading, you really get more in depth with a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Definitely. Agree. Yeah, I was I was so excited that he that finally we had a screenwriter of color win that award. Yes. One thing I actually forgot to mention, which I read about Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. just sorry, going back to it really quick, was that they worked on a budget of one hundred and fourteen thousand dollars, mm-hmm. gross two hundred and fifty times that when the movie came out in the theater. Oh wow! Damn, a lot wow. of money. <laughs> That's cool. I'm, I mean, it, and even just going back on Get Out, like it, they they raised a. There was a lot of money in this movie. It's nice <laughs> seeing these movies, you know, go in with a really small budget and then just completely Kill it. blow up. Yeah. No yeah. pun intended. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I was saying before, it's nice to see Jordan Peele kind of go after, you know, one of his dreams, which was, you know, writing a good horror film. <laughs> um, and he kind of felt like horror and comedy genres they're you know they're similar in in so much of the pacing and just the things that you know of the reveals and everything um and comedy he said kind of gave him a little bit of training um to get to this point of writing uh, get out and directing um one of his inspirations was the stepford wives Ooh. i don't know if you guys ever seen that i have uh yeah <laughs> but it's one of my favorite the, re- the remake or the og I mean, I've seen both. Which one was his inspo? The original. The OG. Yeah, nineteen seventy-five. Yeah. Um, it Better. just gave the him... not Christopher Walken right. version. Right. right. <laughs> well, and the reason why he liked it, I'm like, yes, it was a horror film for that time, but he just, you know, loved that it had a satirical premise about the whole thing, and um, so that's why he wanted to use that, but make it more of um, a subject of racism for, for get out. Um, and basically he decided like, as he was writing this, he, you know, he wanted a horror thriller for black audiences that delivered a searing satirical critique of the systematic racism. And that's why I thought I was like, huh, this is perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> for me to talk about <laughs> because I mean, there's just so much into this film that, you know, like I know in the, I mean, you, I know you guys seen the movie as well, but you know, there's certain parts of it that stood out for me. Um, like there are parts where, you know, the part where they're doing the auction, mm-hmm. I mean, that just takes you back to when they were auctioning off to, to slaves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I talked to a lot of people, but, and they were like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even like put that with that. And I'm like, what? I'm like, you didn't see that? <laughs> I uh, mean, <laughs> there's just so much. Or, or when he when he kills the guy with the big uh, with the buck head because yeah. black slaves were often called bucks. Yep. So I love that was one of my favorite parts That's about very the movie. Subtle. Well, yeah, that was, yeah. and there were a couple of others that I can't think of off the top of my head. But but he put all of these little subtle jabs mm-hmm. to to not just the right. systemic but overt racism that this and, and oppression of people yeah. of color that this country was built on that no one seems to want to acknowledge <laughs> yeah, people well, keep thinking they can erase history you know and it's like you can't, you can't erase it you can't you know? at all it's there and if anything we all need to like learn more about it and <laughs> you know really understand educate yourself yes it just takes me it back is. to to disney hiding his song of the south oh my god <laughs> i mean 
Disney, it, it was made. It's there. Yeah, whether yes. you want to, and I'm you sorry, can't erase it. I'm whether sorry. Whether you want to admit it or not, I mean, Walt was not exactly the most accepting. No, he was person. Not. He was not. But I mean, towards many races mm-hmm. and cultures. Mm-hmm. Well, and and what? So when I was kind of just going back in, I mean, I don't. Have, I have my own personal opinions about the the film and everything, but I wanted to find out more of you know, what Jordan Peele was thinking, like, just how he went through his creative process with writing this and just why it was just, why it just worked so well. Um, so the whole part about the the sunken place, like, when you see the character mm-hmm. get, you know, hypnotized and he just falls into this dark area. Um, and he said that the sunken place is the prison industrial complex. It's a dark hole that we throw black people in. And I was just like, gosh, that happens I mean, not only just in film, but just in life in general. It's like, I mean, I know everybody has opinions, but, you know, a lot of the times, me personally, I felt like being part of the workforce. And I'm not saying all jobs have done this to me, but I I feel like, you know, certain jobs, sometimes I felt like I was kind of like the indentured servant. As a, as a woman of color, you felt the whatever... <laughs> Whatever prejudice it may have been, whether it was, you know, it, whether it was subtle or, or whether it was overt. I mean, oh, yeah, I, please forgive me if I get this statistic wrong. But from what I've read lately, uh, people applying for jobs that have quote unquote black sounding names are far less likely to get a call back than mm-hmm. people with quote unquote white sounding names. I feel like the statistic that I read was they're they're half as likely that's terrible. to get a call. Yeah. But that's and and I know Brie as a, as a woman of color, you've experienced that a lot. Yes, a lot. And and that's why I was when he was just talking about the sunken place, I was like, yeah, no, I, I know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. It's not I'm just sure others have felt it more right. than mm-hmm. I have. Um you know, because, I mean, obviously, I mean, if people don't know me, I have a little bit lighter skin <laughs> than most black people. Um, so, you know, I've gotten many different races, but all all people of color. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, he just talks about how it's just, you know, the sunken place is just where, you know, we just throw, you know, people of color just down this dark hole. They can't come up. We're just going to keep pushing them further and further so they can't get out we can't um you know raise ourselves up you know get get the careers that we want and you know just kind of you know just reading on that and I was just like god you know I really didn't think about that as much I mean because when you first see him getting hypnotized you're like okay they're just hypnotizing him so they can do this whole you know sail and take over his body kind of thing but it just it got so much deeper than that when I was reading uh kind of like his writing notes on this um uh, some other things uh that I read he um I'm gonna go to some of the like some more of this the symbolisms in there um one of one oh sorry I'm going in my notes here oh uh, the, he made a, a a very funny point um if you guys notice at the end when Chris is trying to escape, did you notice that he all the items that he was grabbing were white? No. No. <laughs> 
And now, and I, when I after I read that, I went back and watched it. Now again. I have to go back and watch it for all these like little subtle things. So basically, he's using white objects as a murder weapon against white people. That's kind of great. <laughs> so I mean, not only does this signify a sim- symbolic resentment of black people against their white counterparts, but it also shows that it also shows that they have to resort to the very thing that oppressed them in order to survive modern day racism Mm. i mean i mean there's just so much in this film and i mean there's like a ton more i'm like i made so many notes (laughs) (laughs) but um i just thought it was a very very well done movie and um when i first saw it i think in the theaters i saw it like four times after that i just couldn't express like just how well done it was made and just all that symbolism and just, you know, what people of color have to face, you know, in this world today. I mean, and I know it was horror, but yet a little satirical, but I don't know. I had different feelings about it uh, as far as just, you know, within the society today, like, yes, I mean, we don't sell, you know, black people like what they're doing in the movie, but I mean, sometimes you just kind of feel like that you feel you know, people of color, they're still kind of being like brought down and not because there's still so many different institutional. Um, and I understand we've, we've changed laws over the years with obviously Jim Crow laws are no longer, um, and redlining is illegal. However, we have never fully recovered from the effects of those systems that were put in Mm -hmm. place and people of color still have not fully recovered. If you look at these areas that were redlined that still affect kids that are in school today because they can't get proper funding because schools are, schools are funded in two different ways with operational funding and capital funding. Yeah. And a lot of operational funding comes on a quote unquote, first come first serve basis. And these and school funding is also based on property tax values. So obviously these redlined areas that have or previously redlined areas that have lower property values are lower property tax, less funding. States have to kick in more to get them up to the quote unquote bare minimum of school funding. Um, But then anything above and beyond that, any other OPEX funding that these schools are eligible for, they're so strapped already for funds and payroll that there often aren't people on staff that are able to get in, to get in line to qualify for funds. Mm -hmm. So as a result, the more wealthier affluent school districts that are predominantly white are able to get those funds when they don't even need them. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just it, it. There are so many systemic issues, and and don't even get me started on voter suppression, like <laughs> going back to the seventies and, and under the guise of the quote unquote war on drugs. On next um, week in squad rules. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's but it's so important, particularly for white people, myself included. Like I. Because I I have friends of color that have experienced so many god awful things, and it's mm-hmm. just it, it's important as white people that we educate ourselves on what is still holding people of color back yeah. instead of just going I don't know why these people are so angry right. like unfriend you yeah. did you ever you know go back to think why are they angry read mm-hmm. a book and then if you yeah. read about it it's like well shit I'd be fucking angry too well, and, and the problem with you know, it is, and it, it, and this shows in Get Out too, is their ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't read and 
learn your history and find out really why the way you know things are i mean then it's never going to get better and but and to build on that the piece that makes me the most angry and it's with members of my own family that i'm constantly having heated arguments about is it's not even just ignorance um because ignorance is you don't know but you could potentially know Mm -hmm. it's the unwillingness to pick up a book to listen to a podcast to watch a documentary it's the well i didn't do it my ancestors did it it's not my fault like never makes it okay no it's it's that that does not fly it's your responsibility here and now doesn't matter what you were or were not here for. It is your responsibility here and now to fix this problem. And there are just so many cultures who have been through this type of oppression as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, the Jewish community, black people, Persian people, just so many other Mm -hmm. cultures who have gone through some really terrible things. And I think it's just really important that we learn about everything and Mm -hmm. just try to teach our kids better. Mm -hmm. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, with this film coming out and then, you know, couple couple of years later parasite like i really i'm just happy that you know the academy award association they're you know really kind of sort of i guess can i could say pushing the boundary because <laughs> it's you're you know there's people that are winning that are not usually in the norm and i you know and it's great and i'm really it's nice happy to see that change yeah i'm really happy that jordan peele one you know for the best screenplay because i mean i actually got to read the screenplay and i mean i don't know if it's online where you can read it but it it's just so well done <laughs> i i just i can go on and on about it like i said i have tons of notes i'm not even gonna try to <laughs> go any further mm-hmm. but you know if you guys haven't seen get out or even us um i was gonna talk about that today too but there's just so much in get out you know that has to deal with you know more of what's going on today um so that was my focus but please uh support jordan peele because he's doing great things now if we could only get the academy to start nominating more some female directors right and female directors of color mm-hmm. yes <laughs> next step right also <laughs> next episode on squaggles <laughs> well the film that i picked is Candman. Yeah. I have to I, say, this movie creeped me out. This, this was this the always been one of the scariest movies for me. Like, I still, I, even now thinking about watching it, I'm, I'm actually scared. Like, scared I'm like, the shit oh out of me. my gosh. Do you know the scariest? So, I, I looked up a bunch of fun facts about this movie because I think everybody knows the story. Um, it came out in 1992, but fun fact on how, how it's so scary, but we it's it's scary but you don't see Candyman, you don't see tony todd until 44 minutes into the movie yep right but you hear him yes. you hear that glorious velvety voice um <laughs> but such a handsome man oh i know him and dwayne jones such handsome well, handsome men so something that i found out too uh i think Eddie Murphy was the name that I read that I read who was in the running to play him. I oh. think it was Eddie Murphy. Uh, if I'll have to look it up and make sure that that's Can fact. Can you imagine what a train wreck? Well, well they said he was too short. So they picked because he was only five nine. So they picked Tony Todd, who's six five. Well, thank God choice. for that, though. Oh, I know. I it wouldn't have been the same. I don't think the movie would have done it. As would, well. it you have been know, the same. well, just like earlier, I was talking about watching that movie Becky with Kevin Smith. Like, exactly. I mean, 
I, I mean, like you just don't picture some people in the horror when, genre. When I think Eddie Murphy, <laughs> I think coming to America. I think right. I think trading places. <laughs> um, nutty professor. Mm-hmm. You don't I mean, exactly think serious. You know? you know. I mean, I've seen him in some serious vampire in Brooklyn. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Okay. Angela Bassett though killed them. <laughs> Yes. She kills everything she she's in, though. She I don't care what the movie is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, fun. I so I just looked it up to make sure I didn't tell you an untruth. Eddie Murphy did, in fact, almost play Candyman. Oh my and, god! But he was too short. Uh, so they picked Tony Todd, who's half a foot. The taller. only time I'm acceptable, actually, for somebody being kicked off because they're too and short. And instead, he <laughs> went to be Vampire in Brooklyn. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I watch that on occasions just because it just well, it reminds me of like kind of like those black exploitation films. Oh, from the seventies. There's, there's actually a really a good bit. one on Netflix. I don't know if you saw it. it's called The Haunted House or whatever. It's mm-hmm. with Cedric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaking hilarious. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. And guess what? The white girl gets possessed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Anyway, sorry. No, Continue. no, no. You're all good. You're all good. Um, so the Candyman was actually originally based on a short a short story called The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Um, and it took place in England and it centered around instead of a, um, a race difference between two people, it focused actually on a class difference. Um, but it was modernized in the U.S. to build off of the, the dark history of, of what our country was founded on. Um, so it was written and directed by Bernard Rose. Um, it stars Virginia Madsen when she was just a sweet baby angel. She was so young. Uh, and obviously Tony Todd plays Candyman and, uh, Casey Lemons who Casey Lemons, you may also remember was, so she played, uh, her of the other gal who's in her grad program and they're working on their thesis about her, her uh, urban legends. I can't talk today. I apologize. Um, but she also played and going back to the original statement about how unfortunately people of color for the longest time have been kind of reduced to being sidekicks mm-hmm. to white protagonists. She was also uh, Jodie Foster's friend in silence of the lambs. Okay. Oh, when okay. they're at Quantico together. Got it. Um, but Fun fact about Casey Lemons, because if you've never seen uh, the film Eve's Bayou that oh, also so came out in 1992, amazing horror film. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't good. So I've good. seen that. So Casey Lemons actually directed and wrote that film, or co-wrote that film. Uh, and she had to produce a short film based on part of that script in order to get the studios to actually allow her oh, wow. to direct it's Eve's like, Bayou. It's like, here, let me prove to you that I can do it. Right. And it was good. It was so good. It was she, so she, well done. She dropped the mic. She <laughs> so if you if you are also looking for another, another horror film starring a black cast directed by a black woman... Eve's Bayou is phenomenal. Uh, it has Samuel L. Jackson, Lynn Whitfield, Debbie Morgan, Diane Carroll, and Journey Smollett. Yeah, huge cast. Great film. Can't say enough about it. Um, and obviously the Candyman is a combination of two different urban legends. I understood the Bloody Mary version of it, but I actually didn't un- know about the Hook urban legend. Oh. Uh, so yeah, because Candyman's kind of like Bloody Mary, where you like say it three you times. You say it five times, yeah. Um, and it's also, it's based on Bloody Mary, which that part I knew, but it's also based on the hook, who's a serial killer who Ooh. has a hook for a hand that attacks couples oh, in wow. cars. Yeah. Kind of like. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also there was the guy that wrote the music because the music in this film is so underrated. There's just certain scenes where it's just the real dark, real subtle Ominous. piano. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it was originally composed and scored by Philip Glass, who thought that the film was going to be something completely different. And he thought it was going to be a quote unquote, his words, not mine, an artful version of Clive Barker's short story. Um, But it ended up in his view being a low budget slasher. Oh, wow. Blasphemy on you, Philip Glass. It was great. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that score is just phenomenal. Um, And then Bernard Rose, who directed it, actually had Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd take ballroom dancing classes together. That's awesome. Yeah, to give them more chemistry as within their romantic relationship. They did have a good chemistry. They had phenomenal chemistry. And the effects crew that actually made the, or that had the blacksmith make his hook, uh, gave them all of the, they gave the blacksmith all the instructions, but when they went to pick it up, he refused to sell it to them because he heard it was for a Clive Barker horror movie and he was a devout Christian and he had serious misgivings about the project. Oh, wow. So he's like, oh, no, wow. I'm not going to sell this to you. <laughs> Jeez. Yep. But it... <laughs> So it most notably takes place, and for any, I, I'm hoping that everyone has seen this, but for those that haven't, obviously it centers around uh, the female protagonist who is writing her her thesis for her graduate degree with a friend on urban legends, and they come across this urban legend about the Candyman. So if you you to summon him, you say his name in the mirror five times, um, and he was actually blamed for a series of murders that had occurred in the the real life Cabrini Green projects in Chicago. So this actually was a real, real place mm. uh, for a very long time. Uh, and it also had some of the murders that they cut to it, when they're looking at newspaper clippings. Some of those actually happened oh, wow. at Cabrini oh. Green. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't either. That's very cool. Yeah. So they, they actually did their due diligence as they were writing this film. So the Cabrini Green projects uh, were originally opened in 42 and they gained a reputation for being a, a haven of violence, you know, drugs, gangs, and, and all sorts of criminal activity. Um, but they were demolished in 2011. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer there. Um, so the project's real life history kind of weaves its way into the narrative of the movie. Um, and it makes kind of sense that they would want to film it there. And they ended up using some of the residents as extras in the movie. Oh, that's pretty that's cool. interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And then there's a, a bunch of stuff with the, the different bees and, and stuff that were in the end. Can I just say that's the freakiest part of yeah. all of it for me is the damn bees. The bees. <laughs> um, Anybody who knows me knows I will jump out of a moving vehicle so to escape a bee. They had to use, the beekeepers that they had on set had to use pheromones from queen bees. Oh. And they actually put them on Virginia Madsen. all the bees. Yeah, they put them on Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd. And so they also had to use a specific, They so they raised bees specifically for for this movie. Oh, wow. They so they, just, like, wouldn't sting them? Yes, because they had to be a specific age so that they wouldn't... They So they had to look like they were mature bees. Right. But they were not old enough to where they would actually sting the actors. Although Tony oh, wow. Todd did get stung a bunch. I heard that. Over the course of the three films. Um, and it took... So that scene at the very end when he goes to kiss Virginia Madsen and, mm-hmm. and opens up his mouth and stuff, it took them half an hour to put all the bees in his mouth. Can I just say, props to Tony Todd (laughs) for letting someone put a bunch of bees in his mouth. For three movies. (laughs) For three movies. 
giving me the creep. I, I don't oh understand why he didn't get any kind of award for that. Right. I don't know, man. But yeah, for three movies. So it took him. Yeah, he, he had said it took them 30 minutes to put wow. all of those beats. A in brave his mouth. man right there. Mm-hmm. Now, while this is a, a great horror movie, it does unfortunately perpetuate several terrible racist stereotypes. So as with a black man being represented as the boogeyman, uh, you know, chasing after a white woman in that aspect, it's really terrible. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the producers actually took the script to the NAACP to let them know this is what we're doing. And we want your blessing on the film. And here's why we're making it. Um, but it did so in in that respect it did do a lot of damage but this movie was absolutely terrifying and there's a scene toward the end of the movie when he breaks before um Casey Lemon's character is killed when the hook just jumps out through the medicine cabinet in the bathroom that I, nobody told Virginia Madsen that was going to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the, messed up. <laughs> yeah. So the terror that you see on her was face, real. yeah, is legit. She had no idea that was going to happen. Oh wow! And then when she she bolted and stuff, that that was all. Well, I mean, terror. you can tell she was scared shitless. <laughs> oh yeah, she was terrified. Um, and you know, I feel like the two sequels don't get enough credit. No. Mm. Because Day of the Dead, the third one, I'm like, meh, you know, it's fine. But the second one that really delved into Candyman's backstory, I felt like was really good. And I feel like that one doesn't get enough credit. I think it's always good when they dive into a character's backstory Mm -hmm. and kind of give you the synopsis on where they came from, how they came to be. That always, for me, is way more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sometimes they can't fit it all into the 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 first first movie. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. like good example, uh, Annabelle. Oh, yeah. I hated the first Annabelle. I mean, it was I, okay. It, but, <laughs> so here's what I had a problem with, too. Like, speaking of, like, the terrible tropes that a lot of films, re- or a lot of people of color are reduced to in film, the poor African-American actress, like, she has, she's lost her daughter. She's lost so much. But the fact that she's only stayed alive to save this white woman and her white child come on so that she can sacrifice herself for the two of them like that that set horror films back a good 20 years that's when they had a hard time Mm -hmm. with with uh, night of the living dead too because you know he's going through this whole movie protecting and trying to save all these Mm -hmm. dumbass white people Mm -hmm. and then he gets shot Mm -hmm. in the end like seriously yep (laughs) yep but it the when Annabelle did that, I went, come on, you just, you just set horror back 20 years. Um, now the second Annabelle, Annabelle creation, terrifying. (laughs) And it was so good. I loved the second Annabelle and it, it really went more into the backstory and then built on moving forward. How, how we got to the first, the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But I loved the second Candyman. day of the dead. Yeah. I can do without, but the second one in particular was great. And uh, exciting for this film franchise, uh, it's going to be remade. Yay! And it was originally scheduled to come out, I think, in May. But, you know, because pandemic, pandemic right. we're moved back now. Um, and actually, I am fairly sure that I wrote down the new release date. Um, if I was smart, I would. I did. <laughs> 925 September 25th. Oh my god, that's yes. soon. I know. 
So uh, hopefully movie theaters will be open by then. I miss going to scary movies with I you guys. Do I do too. I miss popcorn and scary movies. I in really the miss hearing you guys jump. Right I miss next to me. jumps and scream and, and peanut the dog is right. going. Just go watch this shit somewhere else without me. Leave me alone. Yeah. Um, so it's being remade, and uh, Nia DaCosta, who is a brilliant. Yes brilliant black screenwriter yes. and director and she's young she's only she's 30 very young. yeah it's amazing. and she's so gifted so she's directing and she co-wrote it with jordan peele which i'm awesome. also super excited about yeah and he's and he's co-producing it um with a couple other folks and yes tony todd Yay! is reprising his role as candy man so I'm like, well i mean i think it's gonna be real good because yeah. i mean if you look at a picture of him now he looks exactly I know he hasn't aged. <laughs> what? Like seriously though? No, he's he's in that horror noir documentary. Well, he looks the fucking same. <laughs> it's that wonderful melanin. <laughs> he looks so good. Yeah, he does. He looks exactly the same. Yeah, Still I'm excited tall. for this like mm-hmm. a lot. I know. I like, I, I'm really excited. Like Jordan, I love Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. From his mm-hmm. comedy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just seeing him like break out into this whole horror phenomenon and keep going with it and he's really good at it he yes. is he is the alfred hitchcock of our 100 100 yeah he's becoming more and more one of my favorite writers and directors mm-hmm. um i love i love the work that he's doing with twilight zone i, I don't know if you guys watched the first season i haven't, I haven't watched it yet yeah because well, i know a lot of people are like well the original was so good you know and it i was. i love the original twilight zone but i was just like okay i'm i want to see where this is going there were a couple episodes that i didn't necessarily care for but i just thought what they're doing with it it was really good like a lot of the episodes i watched i liked now, and I know that Jordan Peele is taking over as the Rod Serling type host. Yes. But did he actually write it? I don't, well, I don't know if he wrote a lot of the episodes. I know he's a producer. I believe he's tagged as a producer on it. Okay. So he's also, I mean, so he's the, you know. He's the narrator as The narrator, well as the... but I believe he's also producing. Okay. And I, I know he's, he actually, in the second season that's coming, um, it said that he wrote a few of those episodes. I'll have to check okay, out the first Okay, I, I can support this. Yes. Maybe I'll bite the bullet. I promise bullet you, and... it's, it's good. <laughs> Pay the fourteen ninety nine for the HBO subscription. Oh, is it on HBO? Oh, no, Twilight, it, uh, the Twilight Zone, that's uh, uh, the CBS All Access. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. that thing. How much is that one? Can we just somebody... Can we just stop but doing I believe, all these? Sarah, <laughs> I think if you have a network provider, you can do the same thing. Just log in with your network. You, actually, no? you can't you with can't. this no, one. No, you can't. No, that's BS. Because it's yeah. the same thing with... Uh, Jared's dad is a crazy Star Trek fan, and he yeah, wanted and he to, to watch. Yeah, he wanted to watch Picard, but you can't because even though we have Dish and we have CBS, you have to uh, download the All Access. Well, I will say you can try a week for free. I'll do that. You I just looked right HBO now, too. and after that, it's it's five ninety nine per month, and then you can oh, cancel anytime. Five ninety nine is not bad. I mean, there is a, a you know good shows that are on there. Um, for those of you who don't know about, the, you know, the CBS All Access, there was a series um, that actually came out, uh, the Why Women Kill. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Was that the one that had uh, Lucy Liu in it? Yes. Okay. It was It was really, really good. Um, I know why we kill <laughs> men. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the point they were trying to make, but, but, but it was a really good series, and, and it goes through... Um, 
you know, uh, three different times, the, the fifties, the eighties, and then the present, uh, in tells the, the story about these three different women. And I'm just saying, it was he good. had in common. <laughs> exactly. Had I'm surprised they didn't do like the the 1920s era because there would have been there would have been a lot. <laughs> but the Twilight Zone's on there. So. Okay, nice. so maybe I'll I'll do the seven day trial Check and I'll binge it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's our show today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can download us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can email us if you have anything that you would like us to cover at thesquadghouls at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram. Our handle is thesquadghouls. Creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Bye.